everybody to uh, another episode of Bucking Stock News podcast powered by Two Bulls Performance Feeds. Uh, Thor, this this episode may may be a little different. Um, kind of interested to talk a little bucking horses. Yeah, for sure. So our our guest uh, today is uh, the owner operator of Bridwell Pro Rodeos, Tim Bridwell. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh no, no worries. Uh, it's kind of going to be learning experience for us. I've I dabbled in the in the horse deal uh, for a very short time, like six how months. short? Six months? Is that how long you had them? <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, my my fire got put out real fast. But uh, anyway, so so you you guys are recent on on the the Bridwell card, correct? Yeah. So uh, for <clears throat> to give you a little backstory. Uh, I was a, a bull rider, uh, not a very good one. <laughs> I rode bulls, uh, you know, through high school and college, and then then uh, and started. I guess I bought my pro card in '96. Anyway, and <clears throat> I I uh, rode around and got on a lot of bulls on the West Coast. And what it what had happened uh, is I due to getting beat up and injured and stuff. Uh, I I kind of had to give it up young i was only 25 or 24 when i quit uh but i through through getting on a lot of bulls out here on the west coast i became friends with don kish and getting on these bulls all the time and going going to their rodeos uh when i got beat up real good the last time i guess was 99 there i uh i he he called me when i was in the hospital and get offered me a job to come out and weld for it. Well, I was beat up, and like I said, he he uh, beat up enough to where I I couldn't do too much, like uh couldn't lift too much or do too much. But he but he called, and we had been like I said friends before. And he and he Don said, "Would you like to come home and and weld for me? I'm trying to build this feed lot for these bulls, and uh, and all I had to do was set and weld. You guys are probably familiar with putting up uh, pipe and cable fence mm-hmm. and." And so I just had to sit there and weld them the mill irons on the post to run the cable through. And so that that winter I came, or well, I got hurt at Fort Worth. So it was about this time of the year, anyway. And I came home and and uh, welded for Dawn. Well, anyway, it evolved into going to work for he and John Growney, and and I worked for their rodeo company there for oh, started in '99 and started you know just continued helping don with the bulls and then really started getting involved with the horse part of it you know while working for the rodeo company and then in 05 um john offered me an opportunity to buy into the company and buy the horses from the company which so did, i did, did that at the time they they provided the the horses and don had the bulls on the ground right part. right yeah. that's exactly right so John owned owned the horses, and then Don owned the bulls, and then John also owned the the, the time event cattle, I guess. But oh, okay. uh, anyway, and and so through working around there for uh, four or five years there, and I started flanking the horses, I guess, in probably like '03, and then again just uh, got an opportunity there and bought the horses in '05, and and then. Uh, kind of i well <laughs> i don't i don't want this to sound wrong but you know uh the horse program when i bought it in 05 
it was it was struggling. You know, there was I think there was a couple or three maybe horses going to the finals and and uh and uh not a real real and I don't want this to come across like I'm saying um anything derogatory. I'm not I'm not. I'm just kind of trying to lay out the facts. Um the 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 breeding program for the horses wasn't real organized, you know, there was kind of not sure what colts were out of what mares, you know, there was um some paperwork loss. You know, it's kind of a uh, oh yeah. Cluster. Not not a real not a real organized situation. And not hey, and not to say that I don't still have some hiccups here and there today. I'm just saying that the, in 05 it was it, there was a, a lot of um uh <clears throat> I did, all the information wasn't there. But anyway, uh so then what I did is uh, uh you know, first thing I did when after buying the horses, sorted up the mares, kind of got the you know, the mares that I thought were the best mares, and certainly, as we all know, if you raise bucking stock, you the ones you think that are the best, at the you know, your first year or two into it, maybe they're not the best. And, and, and then the one that, you're, that you don't breed, all of a sudden, you, you know, later on you wish you kick yourself in the butt and think, gosh, I should have been breeding that mare. You know, she, she was at first maybe wasn't the shiniest one in the herd, but, you know, they stay hooked and they stay – you know they just stay solid and, and and today that's the one thing i've i've learned um now being you know whatever 13 years 14 years into this the one thing i have learned is the ones that are solid and consistent for me the mares that do that seem to be the ones that raise the better horses the that they mm-hmm. bring the bucks in them they're just they they maybe aren't the most talented, but they give it to you every time. They might only be an 18, 19 pointer, but if they do that out of time, that's probably, in my experience, that's, you know, only 13, 14 years into this, is pretty limited in the horse industry because, you know, you think of them other guys that I was talking about earlier to you, oh, yeah. to you guys. that, that there's, there's like guys like the Corcos, they've been doing this 50, 50 years, you know. So <laughs> so when I talk about 13 or 14 years, I'm like, hey, my experience is a little bit uh limited compared to those guys obviously but in my ex- limited amount of time here uh going back to what i the solid mares the ones that just give it to you what they what they can every time and it and do something every time 18 19 point hoppers for me those have been the ones that have been the best moms you know and i and i don't know why that is uh i, I wish i had a magic ball to look into and figure out why that is but but uh uh you know the 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 ones that jump out there and just make your mouth water and rank as hell one time and then the next time maybe aren't as shiny uh they they the consistency for whatever reason that that genetic trait of consistency d- doesn't doesn't carry on to their you know their colts have that same in them you know they're just not consistent in any way so that so that's do the the colts out of those consistent horses tend to outperform their mothers in the arena. Um, I wouldn't Word say out. I wouldn't say necessarily outperform, but the consistent mares bring raise you a bucker. They raise you something, you know. Uh, the, and uh, yes, I, I have I have some mares that yeah, they're they're. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had I had a little old mare, uh, one twenty four. Her name's Classy Cat, and so that mare would be like, oh, she'd be eighteen now. But uh, every colt we've got out of her bucks, every, and, and 
like to some degree, like whether it's shiny, really NFR potential or just good, you know, and, yeah. and uh, in fact, I don't think I have one that's went to the NFR yet, but I got a couple of Colts that sure look like they're suspects. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of whether they stay healthy and, and continue on what they're doing. But, but she was probably only, I'm in today's world, I would say she'd struggle to be an 18 pointer. She, she was just a hopper. She had a cool, a cool style. She just wasn't that shiny, you know, and, yeah. just wasn't, eh. but her Colts certainly outperform her. That's, that's for sure. But at the same time, you know, she wasn't very big or well, she still have her. So she isn't very big and, uh, and and just not very talented, you know. It's, it's just sort of like a like a football player, you know. If you're not that big and strong, it's pretty hard to be very good at it. Yeah, uh, but she, but she tried. But but, but I bred her to big studs and done things with her, and she's yeah. And then those Colts are showing up pretty good, you know. So so in 2005, kind of when when you took over the whole deal, what what was what was the stud that you put out, and how are, how did his Colts perform? Well, the fir- the first year, so okay, so I bought the horses in the fall of '05, and so the, the actually they, the mares were were already bred, mm-hmm. so I didn't really make a a stud decision until the spring of '06. Um, the spring of '06, I went and I leased a stud, and and I am so thankful for for the. Now I I went back and I kind of. <laughs> I was kind of a little bit rough earlier when we were talking about how that some of the old timers are, and when I say old timers, I mean the the established buck and horse programs. Uh, they didn't, they weren't really willing to share intellectual property with you, and they were pretty pretty quiet and tight lipped about what they were doing. Well, I was very lucky. I'd become friends with with the Sankey family, and mm-hmm. in in the spring of '06, I leased a stud from Ike, um, and his name was Starbelly Sneech. And so Starbelly Star Sneets was a, just kind of an okay bucker. He wasn't that good of a bucker himself, but he his mom was Cindy Lou Who, and Cindy Lou Who was a, mo, a really famous mare I had that went to the NFR a bunch of times, and she was a, a daughter of Custer, uh-huh. I believe. Um, I don't have a pedigree chart in front of me, but is, if my memory serves me correct, correctly, Cindy Lou was, a, was an own daughter of Custer. And and then um, the the sire to Starbelly Sneech was a stud of Corco's um, named Confused Velvet, and he was and he was a a really good sire. Like uh, they had a lot of luck with that horse. And so anyway, I took Starbelly Sneech and bred him to the mares, like I told you guys earlier, that I thought were the best, uh, you know, of what we what I had bought from um, from them guys. And when and when just, you say that. You mean like the best as far as bucking horses, or the best that you thought would be the best broodmare type horses? Well, a little of both, right? Uh-huh. So um, the one the one thing that I did also a little bit different when when I first started, I knew I was behind the eight ball a little bit in '05 uh, or '06 when I first put the stud out with those mares. I knew I was behind the eight ball as far as in terms of I I told you guys earlier that the the breeding program that that I'd bought, you know, wasn't real organized, completely, you know, lined out on what, what mares were producing and what studs were what and da, 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 da. It was just kind of just a bunch of horses really. And so, uh, 
<laughs> what I did is started, you know, but you know, obviously with Buck Sue, we had all our old mares and Buck Sue them and stuff. But then I went to bucking some young mares and and doing some stuff that way. And then I started breeding some young mares, like some three and four year old fillies, um, to to try and get ahead of the curve. And it wasn't that I wanted to turn those those fillies into brood mares at all. That wasn't my intent. It was just to get a colt out of them to get to get ahead of the game a little bit. And 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 I use um you know a couple things you know to decide number one um was obviously performance secondly was was the the you know the pedigree of the mare but but again like i told you that wasn't completely organized so it was kind of kind of having to kind of sort through navigate through that but then the other thing was confirmation you know uh, uh i talked a little bit ago about classy cat one of the one of her problems was why she couldn't buck any harder or be any better than she was is just her confirmation. She was too small and built a little bit wrong to be to be really rank, you know, or really good. So, you know, you can almost look at a horse and see what how his style is going to work. You know how he's going to buck. You know, um, mm-hmm. a good example is is, is um, Butler's. You know, Benny Butler. You guys are familiar with Benny, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. knows Benny Butler in the rodeo business. Well, they're they're the way their horses are bit, um, built, they're they're big, kind of lanky, kind of raw bone horses, and they got usually high withers, you know, and 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 they're they're just built to where you know they're going to be droppy. They're going to buck hard and they're going to be droppy, and they're athletic. They're really built that way, and and so that and so in terms, uh, or in turn, built, Benny does have a lot of stronger horses that will jerk on a guy and buck them off. Yeah, I mean, and but they also can be ninety on them. They're just they're, they're built that way. Um, then on the flip side of that, you can go and look at like Kirby's herd in Utah. The Kirby family, their horses are a little bit smaller, not as high withered, little little more uh, kind of. I don't want to sound <laughs> say um, it wrong because I don't want to be um, like I'm down on them because they're awesome horses. They're just kind of like little fat horses, you know, and mm-hmm. little. Um, and so because of that, because I have some of them too, <laughs> they, they hop. They're really, the guys love them because they're a little bit, they're not as strong. They're not built to be strong. They're, you know, they're really effective and they have cool styles and they're really flashy, but they're not going to, they're not going to buck anybody off because they're just not built to do it. So yeah. that, that's, uh, that's certainly a big component in the bucking horse uh, deal is, is, is the confirmation. You know, you have obviously the, the pedigree, but the confirmation means a lot. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So you had said that you were extremely blessed to get that stud. I mean, it was, was his first set of colts really good or, or how, how did it pan out? Oh, well, so the, yeah, the, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they were the best set of colts ever, but they were awful good. Uh, like, well, one, one colt in particular, uh, as a, I actually sold in the Futurity in, I think it was like 2012. Well, let's see. Yeah, it would have been 2012. I sold a horse, uh, Ponyman. He belongs to Stay Smith now. And, mm-hmm. and, and he was, he was out of that colt crop, uh, you know, and then there was, you know, he was the, by far the shiniest one. I mean, I, I guess I sold him to Stay, um, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2012. 
he bought him there at the Benny Benyon um, sale, you know, uh, the yep. bucket horse, world bucket horse maturity. Actually, Stace puts it on, and, and uh, yeah, so Smith, um, I bucked that colt there, and Smith bought him, and I think he's been to the NFR every year since. Like, oh, so, wow. yeah, he's he, he was the shiniest one by far. Um, and then, uh, oh, I have a few other ones that are just – really nice horses you know that really so i think that first colt crop i probably had oh i'm gonna say i can't i don't recall but i'm gonna say between 15 and 20 colts to start with and i'm i bet i have when do you start those horses i'm sorry Sorry to interrupt sorry to interrupt tim when do you start those horses you know how long is it before you start to know if you made the right breeding decision oh (laughs) well sometimes it'll five years but but for for uh that for to, you know to answer your question directly the first part of the question was you know when do we start up i i start dummy a buck in the colts when they're two and 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 i just dummy buck them once when they're two unless they just flat run off if they just flat run off uh then then i might buck them again you know and um, do something a little bit different just to, but uh i'll buck them once when they're two or twice, like I said, and then same when they're three, and then so then when they're four, I get people on them. You know, they start with their riders. So a lot of them, a lot of them horses have anywhere from two, three, maybe four trips by the time they're four year olds, and then uh, uh, then it's time for a rider. And, and and sometimes you know they they you know if you can see that they're pretty sure of their feet and they're they have a really controlled style and they're you know they're. <clears throat> When I say a controlled style, you know, like they kind of got a pattern and they're, like I said, their feet are under them and all that's going on good. Uh, and I feel confident they'll stay up and not fall down with a guy. Sure. And then we'll go ahead and put a guy on them with a couple of dummy trips. Uh, and, then, and then there's other ones. You know, there's there's horses that I've raised, and um, I hate to admit it, but there's horses I've, I've raised that it took – six or eight trips to before I felt confident to put a guy on him because it was all down all the time. Yeah. And and generally that's the wilder ones. And that, and going back to the breeding, that's when they're bred wrong. They're too wild. And, you know, bucking horses, sometimes the, the layman fan gives bucking horses a bad rap. Like they're, they're, and I shouldn't say that sounds wrong too. Uh, I, got, I wish I could, I was better with my words, but they, they get kind of a bad rap like they're wild. And, and, yeah. That, you you guys know that's that's not the case at all. Some of these some of these horses are really gentle and really good to be around. And 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 generally speaking, it, the the more quiet they are and calm they are and focused they are, the better bucking horses they are. They you know they they don't have to be wild to buck. We all know that. So. What a maybe this is a a silly question, but I'm not a bucking horse guy. I got on some back in the day and never never did any good at it and didn't ever understand it, but. Aside from just size, how do you how do you choose which which event you want to buck those horses in, bareback or or saddle brawl? Yeah, so that's a really good question. For me, um, first of all, you're going to see it when you dummy buck them, kind of what they do with their head. And when I was talking a minute ago about uh, the control, their body control while they're while they're bucking with just a dummy on, that gives you a little bit of an indication of what event to do to put them in. But but uh, for me, I sound more of their mother. So if their mother could take the bronc riding and tolerated it, and she and she liked it and bucked in it, the colt 
sim- seems to do that. You know, will will follow suit. Uh, now, uh, that's not always the case, but uh, a lot of the time it it it, it is. You know, uh, and then and then unfortunately the way as <laughs> the way the rodeo business is now with the shortage of bareback riders, sometimes you are forced to put colts in the bronc riding that you're not always 100% sure if it's going to work or not when you're first bucking them around. But sometimes there's, it works out beautifully. Sometimes it doesn't. But but for the most part, you, you kind of got to, number one, go with their style. Number two, kind of their mom. And then third, the availability of the riders that are there that day. <laughs> yeah. so, Do you have very many of those horses that, that – you maybe start them in one event and then decide that they need to go to the other event or maybe they do both events or. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so uh, I have a horse uh, named Capone and he, he's been in NFR five times, I think, or maybe six. And his mom is out of one of our famous mares, Raggedy Ann. Well, when I first started bucking Capone, um, he was a bareback and he went to the finals like four, three or four times in the bareback, you know, in the bareback ride, like I said. And then um, what happened was he kind of started moving out, started covering too much ground, getting a little bit long in a way. And then, uh, and then we moved him to the bronc ride. And, uh, you know, heck, he never even ever got bucked in the bronc ride until he was probably, you know, seven years old, you know, so, really? so eight years old maybe i can't i'd have to you know look back but but uh yeah no uh, and he went to the finals again in the bronc riding yeah actually yeah he's been to the you know he's been to the finals i think he went man i wish i could remember i think he went i know he went a couple three times anyway in the bareback riding and then i know he went twice in the bronx and um the first year he went in the bronx actually killing crawley one second on him in the eliminator pin that he won second that one round that one night, and then um, then he went last not this last not in eighteen but he went in seventeen again but then he came out backwards and uh, with Zeke Thurston and um, I think it was Zeke that got on him anyway and uh, I didn't even got him flanked and Zeke jumped off I think and got a rewrite or whatever <laughs> but but he so he came out backwards. And so it was kind of a mess that year in seventeen, and then they didn't. He didn't go back in this year in eighteen. He still bucks really well. I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to say that. You know, like he he still bucks really really hard. He just didn't go last year. And you guys know how that goes. Some years they need they need more of one kind than another, and you know this is how it goes. He just didn't get chose last year, but he's still as good as he was a long time ago. These these this these people i'm going to mention here they're a long ways from you but you probably you may you may know this the answer to what i'm going to say to correct me but to go with what you're saying thor and some good friends of mine that live over there by you the the gays that horse assault they he went to the finals a bunch in in the bareback riding and i'd never seen him in the bronc riding until this year did he go in the bronc riding tim this year to the finals Uh uh, you know, I I could look, but I don't recall seeing assault there. But I know him. He's that buckskin gilding. You know, like he's a good yeah. horse. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I could, you know what? I can look real quick because I I think I have the NFR list right here in, in the old in the old I, I file remember cabinet. Seeing, I remember seeing him. They they took him to uh, uh, I think it was Lufkin in, in in the Bronx ride, or maybe Amarillo. And I was I had to watch that video a couple times, thinking, is is that the the assault that I think it is? 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 he's probably the same the same uh, the same scenario as I was talking about with Capone. You know, he's been a good bareback for a long time, but if they start covering a little ground and stuff, uh, oh yeah, he yeah, he went to the NFR. Here he is, right here on the list. He he and Three Bells went from Rafter G. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, sometimes later on in life they just gotta if they start covering too much ground and not doing. Doing things right, we got to move them to, and that's the that's that's the nice thing about about the buck and horses compared to the bulls is, um, <laughs> you can do things with them to kind of keep them bucking like like that, you know. Yeah. If the bareback riding is not, they're not showing you what you need to see. You you still got the bronc riding, you know. And the bull, if the bulls quit, you know, where do you go from there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is that's something that that maybe some people listening may may not know a difference too in the horse deal. You you guys buck your mares as well as your studs and geldings versus in the bull deal. It's only the bulls. Well, absolutely, yeah. In fact, uh, our our best horses are mares. I mean, there's. I guess I could. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I would say the biggest percentage of our herd that of the higher end horses are the mares. You know, uh, and, and you guys and, can buck them heavy bred too, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to buck them right up to the end, but but like a good example of of uh, for how our system. You know, I, earlier in the conversation, I mentioned how. I, I learned a lot from Ike Sankey, and one of the things that I learned from Ike was with breeding young mares and then breeding your best mares. Let's face it, guys. If, if you don't breed your best mares, you're not going to have good colts. You're going to have sure. mediocre colts. So you got to breed your best mares. Well, so how long does that, that take them out of the arena? Well, it, yeah. So it, for me, our, the way our schedule works is, you know, obviously if you get some to the NFR, then we don't do anything until the end of March as far as rodeos are concerned. I don't go to Texas or anything like that. I just usually stay home and buck colts and do that kind of thing. For how how my program works is I will I turn a stud out March first. Uh I leave I leave our our studs out for forty five days to, to sixty days depending on uh you know the weather. You know like I if there if there's like a if I feel like they've got two good cycles in uh then then that's when I pull them. If um, if if I don't feel like that, then I just I anyway I just, I just want to make sure that that I get them covered, and I try and do it within two months. If I miss if if the stud misses a mare, I just absorb it and I don't worry about it because I don't need colts too late. Because again, uh, it's true. I, 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 I well it messes up my schedule because I buck the mares that I breed, and and <clears throat> how I do it is so a good example. Is like Wild and Blue went to the NFR just a couple of months ago or three months ago, whatever it's been now, and she had a colt a couple of days ago. So, oh. so she, you know, so the turnaround time is so she's bucking at the NFR, you know, eight and a half, nine months bred, but then she'll she she you know has these this winter off she has her cold and because i live in california it's pretty nice where we live it's cold right now but for the most part it's not too bad in the winters uh she'll have she'll have you know have her cold usually in february or first of march and then i will uh i only leave the colts with the mares from four same deal as the as the breeding cycle 45 to 60 days and then i and i wean them colts young and i put them on uh 
as much hay as they'd like, as much, you know, like they have free choice alfalfa, and then I feed them um, grain and calf manna to get them oh. going. And and it does two things. It gets my mare back on the road so I can get a rodeo one again. But it also makes your colts good to be around and pretty gentle. So sure. they, you know they come to they come to feed and 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 they get used to being around people. So they're not they're not real wild. Went for later on, and then they they don't. Yeah, have it's a, a little more. Go ahead. You obviously they, they get free choice alfalfa and good feed, but you don't have a problem with them growing just like from not being with their mom actually we've we've done it we've done a test because <laughs> you've had i've had that question happen a lot and i've actually had the colts that are on on hay and calf man and grain outperform the colts that are on the mare still i'll be darned yeah and 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 i i think that's because um we we don't know how much milk a, a mare's producing you think you know but you don't yeah. know how much the colt's getting, and and so um, you know it's no different than the cow calf deal. The cow calf guys, you know, you'll have cows that always bring in a calf at a great weaning weight, and then you got cows that don't bring in a calf with a very good weaning weight. So you just can the cow or whatever they do and get a different cow. Well, it's not that way in the buck and horse world. Well, you don't just because a mare doesn't produce good milk. That doesn't mean we don't want to keep raising colts out of her. We're just going to find a different way to take care of that baby and get it big and strong. Because, you know, the maternal ability might not be there on that mare, but the buck's in them, right? So mm -hmm. we got to kind of – and going back to what we were talking about earlier, this buck and horse deal isn't like the bull deal. You know, it's it's a lot harder. I mean, they just – they're so there's to get a, a really shiny bucking horse it takes a lot of a lot of breeding and and a lot of luck and a lot of work where in the bull deal i don't i don't want to discredit the bull deal because it's and say that it's easy I, I don't mean it like that because it's hard as well because you only get buck half your calf crop but at the same time you can go and and you know breed mud slinger to a houdini daughter and you're gonna have a pretty good chance of a cast of bucks i mean this yeah. is a pretty good chance Maybe. Maybe. you know is that, so, sorry did you say something thor oh i just i think i think you're absolutely right but uh it's uh i think it's a lot like the horse deal i every day more and more we're bucking females and and uh i think you're right i think you could breed you know some superstar stuff and have a pretty good shot, but uh, I agree. I think the, the odds may sounds, just... The horse deal sounds much more difficult. What a... How long is the gestation on a, on a horse? So, so like, um, so they're they're pregnant for 11 months, 11 days. Wow. Yeah, so so you're about a year out, usually, you know, if... Uh, and then... And that's if, that if, you know, if the stud gets her right away when you turn him in, you know, so... Uh, and, and, you know... Uh, <laughs> it just, uh, I don't know. So, so that, but I like, like I said, I, I usually, um, March 1st is when I turn them studs out and, and out here in California. And it's always, generally speaking, it's pretty nice. And, and, uh, the way, you know, we all know how that the sunshine and the weather and the warmth and all those things gets, gets, gets the mare cycling better. And, and then, so if everything goes right, usually I can usually start getting those mares bred there the first week or two of March. And then that, you know, that gets me the February babies that I'm after. So, 
And then after they have their their colts, how long is it until you can put them back on the road? Well, so, so generally speaking, yeah, yeah, forty-five to sixty days. All wean those colts and put them on, like I said, the full feed deal. Um, then, then, but then it also takes the mares a couple of weeks to recover too. You know, you got they got to dry up, and then they and then you got to kind of exercise them, get them in shape a little bit too. You can't you can't just you don't want to just take them in there with a you know, with a big bag full of milk, they'll be, you can't do that to them. You got to let them dry up, like I said, and, and, and get, get their belly kind of shrunk back into shape and just kind of get them back into shape. And, you know, it'd be no different than your saddle horse. You, if you need to get uh, some work done on your saddle horse, you don't just let him stand out in the six months and then just go get on him and pound him and, and inspect <laughs> yeah. him to do very good. He'll probably just tie up on you. <laughs> so, you know, so. So a couple couple more horse questions before we dabble in the in the bull side of things for you guys. Um, how, how many how many mares do you do you guys breed a year? Uh, we usually expose what we've been doing lately. We usually expose uh, twenty five to thirty of them, depending on you know a couple of things. Just how well I like the young. Remember a little bit ago I talked about exposing young fillies, you know, mm-hmm. four, three, three, four-year-old fillies. Well, uh, depending on how many I want to put into those in, into the system for yeah. to get a colt out of. So, but to answer your question directly, yeah, 25 to 30 of them. Uh, and then generally that means that you'll get, you know, they'll, there'll be a few mares that, that don't get bred. So you'll, I usually shoot to have 20 colts a year, at least 20, yeah. you know, 20 to you'll end up with so if you expose 30 mares ideally you'd get 30 colts but generally speaking you're going to get 25 or 26 right in that area and then and then same same deal if finally breed expose 25 mares it's more like you know uh, you know right around 20 to 21 22 and then there's been years like i bred a i studied calgary's a couple years ago um um tiger warrior actually he's he's a really really great bucker and really bred well and and when we bred tiger warrior uh i i put him with 20 mares um because that was the deal we made with those guys and and uh heck i think i only ended up with 13 colts and that wasn't that wasn't tiger warrior's fault or anybody's fault it was just one of those things where that was a year where it was real wet and rainy and and not a lot of sunshine and the mares didn't circle or i'm sorry didn't cycle that well and and so it wasn't all his fault it was just one of those things that happened mother nature yeah exactly and and in fact i i when i i talked to our vet around home here and he said he was having trouble even getting like the cutting horses and the raining horses and the people in the with the saddle horses around he was trying having hell getting the the mares to ovulate for him you know uh, so it was just one of those springs. It was just a tough. It's it's uh, crazy you say that. I I preg, pregged some cows this this winter, and and my vet when he called them, you know, he pregged them, and then afterwards he said, you know, it's funny, we've pregged a thousand cows this year, and and they, there was they were either short bred or long bred, but but the way he was saying it was they didn't they weren't breeding in a certain forty five day window from from all over the area, you know, due to Mother Nature, like you're talking right. about. Right. Exactly, and I think we can all see that. And Mother Nature is more powerful and strong, more strong than any of us. You know, you go out and and I I love hunting and I hunt a lot in the Northwest if I can and and if we have time. And you'll see that 
on certain years uh when we go elk hunting you'll look in the 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 cow elk will have a, a lot of calves on them and it looks like everything's good and the population's good and then then the next year you're like oh boy this doesn't look good i hardly see any calves and and this and that and and i of course there's a there's a whole host of reasons for that I, you know you got the predators and all that jazz but then probably some of it is the is the Mother how nature. well they, yeah how well they got bred back by the bulls you know so yeah, yeah they had a lot of a lot of variables to play into it so before we switch over to the bulls what what's off the top of your head um some horses you guys have taken to the finals back in when you took over in 0506 to to now like some of the famous ones you mean that that like, we've taken yeah yeah okay so well uh probably uh one of the most famous horses we we taken the finals is is uh sock dancer moulin rouge sock dancer uh you know we've sold this uh in the in the meantime well i st- we started taking him in i think oh five oh six that 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 period of time and that took him to the finals a few times one bronca the nfr and then i the year he the year he won that actually i sold him to stay smith and then uh you know moulin rouge was a real famous horse we took uh uh <laughs> Now, uh, Beaver Fever, she went for, uh, heck, she went from 05 till last year, and then we retired her. Uh, mm-hmm. Beaver Beaver Fever was a heck of a good horse for us. Um, and then, and then in fact, one of her sons went to the finals last year, uh, Beaver Bend. He went to NFR in a bronc ride, and then, oh, Raggedy Ann Capone. Um, what's the what's the gray mare? Wild and blue. Um, yeah, yeah, she's been every year since. Uh, so I actually bought her from a, a guy here and uh, right here outside of town, uh, a friend of mine named Chuck Morris. Uh, he raised he raises bucking horses and does some high school, college, and some amateur rodeos and has a, a breeding program um, himself. And and I actually uh, bought two mares from him. And I'm I'm trying to think the year I bought those mares. I'm gonna say I think I bought those mares from him in like '08, right in there. And and I bought. Wild and Blue, who herself, you know, bucks, bucks obviously really well. She'd been to the NFR all these years. And then I, there was another mare that came with her, and her name was, or still is, Indian Summer. Well, Indian Summer, she's just an okay bronc. But remember when I was talking about uh, the consistency of being really solid? She's yep. one of those kinds. She's solid. She's like a 19, 20-pointer every time. And um she her her oldest colt i have is a is a bronc named indian burn and i took him we've taken him to the finals the last two years he went as a four-year-old and a five-year-old so and and i and i know you're playing with fire taking a four-year-old to the national finals but but he's just that good and anyway so that that purchase worked out pretty good for us uh, buying those two bears from chuck so you know we got a boy you know a really good mare that produces colts and then one that bucks really well herself so yeah that's that sometimes it hits like that now i've got other stories i could tell you that didn't hit very good <laughs> but <laughs> that one did <laughs> you know, so so kind of transitioning to the to the bull side of things you guys I'm, I'm taking it you don't you don't raise any you buy them yeah correct right so uh again like i told you earlier uh when i first came around we're uh, went to work for Don Kish, and and you, I'm sure if any, anybody knows anything about Buck and Bulls knows who Don Kish is and knows what he did for a lot of years, and and 
so I worked around that outfit for a long time and, you know, I learned a lot about bulls. I, I think oh. I learned a lot about bulls and, and was around a lot of bulls and a lot of cows and a lot of all that jazz. Um, and, and there was a time when, like in the late nineties, when I first went around there and early two thousands, when if you wanted really good bulls, you needed to raise them. I mean, uh, I think everybody would, I think you'd be naive to say that in, in that period of time, you, you needed to raise the bulls to get the kind you wanted that were, that were beyond what everybody else had. But as we all know, through the last 15 years, it's changed. Mm. You know, the, 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 you know, heck there's, there's people showing up to those ABBI events that nobody's ever heard of that just flushed a cow and put it with this and did that and and, and, have a work and, and had a really good bull. You know, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm not, and, and when I say a really good bull, I'm not talking about bushwhacker. I'm just saying they have bulls that turn back in the gate and bucked it or, you know, 22 point bull. And it's somebody that's not really a bull person. They've just bred that way. And, 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 and not to try and do, uh, and I don't mean it like to, discredit people like they don't know what they're doing i'm not saying that what i'm saying is it's it'd be no different than me and go going and brian buying a cutting horse out of highbrow cat and some fancy mare you know i the blood's there it's in them so if all you know if you don't as long as you don't mess them up uh mm-hmm. they, they, you know the bulls are available and so for for through just the supply and demand of the rodeo, the kind of bulls we need to rodeo with, we, you know, you guys all know uh, that we don't need bulls like, you know, Long John to rodeo with or Bruiser <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, you don't need those bulls. We just need, you know, you just need good bulls to turn back and a guy can be 85 or better on. And, and, and <clears throat> so for us, what worked when my wife Haley and I started Bridwell Pro Rodeos, you know, in, and here a couple of years ago, we we just found for us it was more cost effective just to buy the bulls, yeah. uh, you know, um, with with raising them and and that I just I don't have the feed for them. Uh, I don't have enough country out here in California. Every little bit of country I get, I have to I put the horses on because I can't afford to buy the high end horses. <laughs> but mm. I can I can I can buy you know I have to raise those, but I can I can mess around and uh and well, find they're really more, good bulls you know uh just for reasonable amount of money I yeah guess like you said the supply and demand you can you can find there's a lot more people raising bucking bulls and good bucking bulls than there is horses and then people damn near want to give them bulls away you know it seems like well here i'll give you an example and i'm guys I, i'm not an arrogant guy so don't think it take it like i'm bragging i'm just trying to say how it works for us financially and up to be efficient. I bought a bull at the NFR sale two years ago that we call him 100X Helmets Boot Hill. Well, yep. I gave 3500 for him at the NFR sale two years ago, taking him to the national finals twice. And the other day at Sacramento PBR, uh, J.R. Vieira was 89 on him, won a short go on him. You know, and, and I know that that doesn't always work out like that. I, I'm not being trying to be naive either that that it always works out like that but like him or the bull jive turkey that they uh the other brazilian boy rode there in the short go at sacramento i bought J- jive turkey last year at the nfr sale i give six thousand for him he come from uh toby floyd and 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 that and he was like 89 on or 88 and a half 89 on him that is a guy can put buy a really damn good bull anymore for five six thousand bucks 
Well, you yeah. really can't raise him for that, you know, because to raise that bull, they had to raise five other ones. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, so that's that's all I'm saying. It doesn't seen, work for us. <laughs> I've seen some videos following your guys' social media and stuff. That that jive turkeys. I, I've been a fan of jive turkeys. I, I was questioning why he didn't go to finals last year. Uh, you mean the NFR? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he did. No, he did go to the NFL. Oh, he did go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he did go. Yeah, Jive Turkey went, and and then so we took him, and we took Who's Bad News. He's another bull that come out of that sale. Uh, I, I had to give a little bit of jack for him though, because uh, there was a couple other guys that liked him too. <laughs> but that was but, the bull. That was the bull that that JB was that win long the long, one of the long rounds on, right? The, yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. That's Who's Bad News. Yeah. And what and, was the uh, there was a there was a white bull I think you took or maybe he had been before uh, on the rights kind of move away from them guys a little bit. Are you talking about Omaha the big bull? Yeah, Omaha. Yeah. So the other day at, at Sacramento, Omaha hit his hip and kind of made him shoot forward and had a little bit of a different day. That bull is usually right there to the right, like he'll go like a round or two right there to the right in the gate, and then he'll jump forward and go back to the left generally. Um, but the other day, like I said, he hit hit his hip and made him shoot forward, and then he kind of had a, a kind of a, I don't know, I didn't love his his move before <laughs> he turned back, but once he turned back, then he was fine. But yeah, <laughs> that so that bull Omaha, uh, he, I like him. He's a good bull. Uh, I, uh, but he he came from a friend of ours up in Oregon, uh, a guy named Rusty Gorham raised that bull. So. But, and they're sure proud of them. Rusty and Leaf are real proud of that bull, so that's cool for uh, that deal. So. Back back to your $3,500 bull, Tim Bingham was like 93 on him at Kennewick or something, wasn't he? Right, yeah, yeah, at, at, at uh, Pialop at the, at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then his brother Tyler at Logandale, Nevada, last spring rode him. That was the only time that bull's been uh, rode the last couple of years other than that's a PBR deal. Uh yeah. But Tyler and Tim both rode him. You oh, know, that's eight, crazy. High, high, yeah, high, high eighties. You know, good, good, good bull. Uh, the ninety three, I think, was a stretch. That was quite a bit of points. But, but, but he's a good, a good bull. And, uh, and back to our point is, for 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 what works for our business, and and I'm not <clears throat> saying it works for everybody, but for what we're doing, it it works better for us just to buy the bulls, you know. So uh, I, I can see the guys that raise them like the pages. I watch their bulls at Sacramento and watch what they do on the sales and this and that and how they do their 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 business. And I can see why they do what they do. It works. They buck like hell and they sell them for lots of money. So they're doing they do you know that works for them. So that's good yeah, for them. Ex- exactly. What so what about two? You can kind of answer this in a two part question, but like uh, us fraternity guys and stuff, we'll kind of segregate our bulls and stuff. And and I take it rodeo and you know some rodeos may have ample amounts of pins, some may not. Are they are they just in general population like at your house? And then how how many how many trips a year roughly will, will you put on a bull? Well, the the first the first part of your question is is uh, you nailed it. There's there's a lot there's rodeos that have the facility to to split them up pretty good, but then there's a lot of a lot of rodeos that don't have that you know, the, the kind of facilities you need to split them up a whole bunch. Uh, I'll tell you how I try and make them live. And, and you guys being bull guys, you know, that there's sometimes you just can't make mixes. There's some mixes that just don't work. They just don't like each other. We, mm-hmm. we know, we all know that. And you try and kind of force them through it and get, get a get them to get along. But 
for us, how I try and do it is I pin them how they fit on a truck. So in a cattle pot, sets of six. I got, usually I got a couple sets of four, well, like a set of four, a set of three. That'd be the nose and the back step, and then sets of sixes on the top, you know, the top and the bottom decks. So, and then that also fits for the pins that we have at our house. Um, you know, we have pins that are about all half acre lots, maybe from half acre to, to maybe one acre lot, and, and that's uh, plenty of room for them so they don't make it too muddy or, or, or whatever, you know, so they have enough room. Do it, so that's do it. the first part. Doing doing it that way too with you guys buying bulls, you can you can at least find find somewhere where they'll get along and don't just have to put them all together. All right, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I try not to mix too much with young and old. That's the other thing. You guys probably do the same thing. Is if you generally when they're young and and too young or whatever, young and old just doesn't don't work. I try and mix bulls that are kind of the in the same kind of age bracket, not not too much because I I know if you get too many youngsters then they're all dumb. You don't have any smart ones. They're all just wild <laughs> and goofy. But then at the same time, um, I I try and just do it that way. I I'm not saying it, <laughs> you know. And then, I don't know. There's there's mixes that you're thinking it it's all right. This is a perfect mix. They're getting along great. And then one day the fight breaks out and you're welding and fixing things. <laughs> so you know so. Um, you know, we all know that, that program, but, um, so that's how I, how I have my sets in the, in the sixes or so, but, uh, and then the second part of your question, I, I already forgot what was, what were, uh, how, uh, how many trips do you, you put on them bulls a year? So, you, you know, we have 20 rodeos and, and, and that includes some bull rides and stuff. So, uh, not as we all know, not every bull goes to every event, but generally when they go, they got they get bucked twice. So probably around you know 15 to 25 outs is probably. Oh, yeah. And and but remember, our our season doesn't start till the end of March, and then it's over. You know, uh, probably around middle of October. So we we kind of those those trips are pretty consecutive. It's not like we you mm-hmm. know. You know, it's spread throughout the 12 months. We only rodeo for about seven months out of the year. And I mean, yeah. excluding, you know, like the NFR and that kind of thing, you, you know, but you only take such a small amount there, you know, a handful of them. I'm, I'm speaking in terms of the whole herd, not not just 10 of them, you know. So. Yeah. With with that being said, have you, I mean, being that, you know, and I, I think if I'm not mistaken, and maybe it's changed now, but some of the rodeos out there, California and stuff, they may only have rights or, buying buying bulls have you figured that some bulls just can't take that whereas you know omaha and and boot hill and bad news they they can take that right yeah so so i actually most of the bulls that you're right uh some of the that is one thing i've learned about the bull deal that i i did not know before is i i didn't realize how important and this sounds really silly and kind of naive but i didn't realize how important the the deliveries were on on the bulls until the last few years uh before i you know i always kind of just treat them like horses are pretty good about you know they kind of take a scoot out of there and they go pretty straight for a while before they start into their circle usually well with the bulls as we all know if a bull turns back right in the gate uh he he's he's so wired and programmed to do that right there 
if the gate's in his way or if everything, it's hard for him to change it up if they've if they've done it done it very long. A good example is is uh, so I have a good buddy in the Northwest, and you guys know him, and Mike Corey. He has a bull called Calabunga, and so a couple of years ago we we were going Calabunga is always out of the left, and we decided we, he Mike's bringing him to Redding, and Redding rodeo is all right. Well, we th- Mike thought, well, heck, we'll we'll try and figure out how to get Calabunga out of the out of the right. So we were gonna we were gonna run him through just dry, just run him through and make him turn out of there out of the right. We we had him tailed, just dry. Nobody even there. And we could, <laughs> it was all we could do to make that simple sucker turn out of there, the the to the right. He just wouldn't. He didn't want to do it. Just like his, he only used <laughs> half of his brain or something. I don't know that goofy little pot liquor. We couldn't hardly get him to turn out of there properly. And finally, uh, I, I I think what we finally ended up doing is running him around, running him around, and 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 doing it until he finally kind of went out there, but he kind of ran down the gate, even dry. Anyway, we tried to buck him, and it didn't work, and gave a re-ride and all that. So, <laughs> going back to my original point, the it's if if they've if they've been out of one delivery very long, it uh, it's so programmed in their mind. For for me, it it's been hard to switch them. But I just try and change it up when they're young. You know, before when I like when I buy a bull, if 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 uh, you know we get to a place that only has rights and and hopefully the bull is young enough, I I just start changing them up right away and and um, make them you know learn to do it that way. Now. Obviously, I have some that don't 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 ever change. Like Jive Turkey, you were talking about him, and I was too, a while ago. You know, he's right there to the left. He's never been out of any other delivery, and he's really good. So why would I mess with it? So when there's the rodeos where they only have right hand shoots, well, Jive Turkey doesn't go. You know, so oh. you know that's just the way that's got to be. You know, yeah. he he, and I only got a couple bulls that way. Um, but but you know he. Once they get to the, where they're pretty shiny and they're and they're that good, you don't really want to mess them up, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna start going to some PBRs and stuff while you're slow while you're slow time off rodeoing? Um. Well, I wouldn't say no, but I wouldn't say yes. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Like I said the other day when we went to Sacramento, uh, it was it was like that. Those bulls buck like hell. Them bulls are good. And so, and so when, when, uh, whenever, whenever you put your bulls up against those guys, it really lets you know what you got. And, and for, for me, I, you can't, it's not, the, it's not something I, I don't have investors and I don't have partners and, and, you know, the only partner I have is my wife. And she's not very loaded, so. <laughs> so I mean, so we we don't for the the, the PBR deal is just different, I, and I enjoy doing it because it's something to do in the winter time, and 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 I and I like Cody Lambert, and I, we like Riley. We do uh, do some other stuff with them at the American, and that, and that they're friends, and that, and um, and you know, like I said, the pages, and then you got uh, new guys coming in all the time with. Uh, there was some new contractors there that are pretty aggressive on putting bulls together. Uh, it, did, did you have? It's not something. Not 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 something I can compete with. <laughs> you no. know, by looking at it though, you, heck, your bulls fit in just fine. 
Well, yeah, but remember that's one time. That's one time, (laughs) one event. That's not week after week after week. (laughs) And maybe they, and maybe, and and I'm sure they, there's a couple of them bulls that would do it week after week after week. But, but uh, for for us, it's not something that uh, we're all the way gonna completely focus on because we have a lot of uh, rodeos and we have a lot of good committees and a lot of people that we do a business with that we that we enjoy you know enjoy mm-hmm. as well you know and and we have to have a good set of bulls for our rodeos uh not just our horses you know we we owe those committees a a, a service that's that's good throughout good quality throughout that's something that we really pride ourselves in here with our rodeo company is uh we're not i don't want to ever be just labeled a horse guy or just a, a bull guy or, or or a guy that has mediocre rough stock and great kind of it we we try and be full service we want the best pickup men the best bullfighters we can get the best bronx barebacks and bulls and and even time to bend cattle we want to be good at it all you know that that's something that that i um when when we first started one of the one of the guys that i've always looked up to that i've always thought had excellent stock throughout was Sammy Andrews. Sammy's always had good bulls and good horses. He wasn't just a bull guy or just a horse guy. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that for me, that's something I want to pride myself in is being a stockman, not just one, one, one sided. Because at the end of the day, those guys paid their entry fees too. They need, they deserve a decent shot, you know, so. Exactly. So, so leading into the, to the, 2019 season got a couple couple points here is there any any young horses you're going to crack out or or any bulls you just bought you're kind of excited about um well yeah so we we i haven't bought any any uh bulls right right this minute that are that are really fancy i i mean i got some calves that i bought from a guy that from actually from a neighbor that are look really good with a dummy and and have got a couple rider trips on them that look like they they might be really good, but I don't want to brag on them yet because they <laughs> they're yeah. pretty green. But uh, what are they? Two year olds? Sorry. What are they? Two year olds? You said no, they had a couple rider trips. Are they? Three? They're three year olds. They're three year olds. No. Um, um, and and then um, then I have uh, I do have a, a horse coming on a, a young horse that I call White Hot. He is a solid white horse, and he's actually out of that gray mare we were talking about earlier, Wild and Blue. And oh, White yeah. Hot has has only had a couple of rider trips on him, but he he uh, won second at uh, Bob Marriott's Dirty Rotten Buckers uh, Bucking Horse Futurity last summer. He he won second, I think it was, in the bareback ride. Anyway, he looks pretty good. Uh, I think that horse he'll be now he'll uh, he's gonna be five this year, so uh, I let he got a little more age on him than than some of them because he was just a little bit of a late bloomer, but he bucks pretty dang good. And, and I, so I think that that'll be a up and coming star, uh, for us this, this summer moving forward. And then there's a, there's a couple other Colts that are, that are coming on. Uh, I, I mentioned, uh, that Indian burn in that Indian summer line of horses. There's a little brother to Indian burn coming out and he's a, he, um, He's just a his number's five oh five. He's just a you know, gonna be a four year old black yelding and he bucks really, really good. He doesn't even have a name yet. I need to come up with a name for him. <laughs> yeah, but okay. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So. I will say that that West Rodeos I 
I don't fight bulls anymore, but uh, probably one of my funnest rodeos I've ever been to uh, was Salinas. Oh, yeah. I was in the bullfights there, I think, five five times. But, uh, yeah, I that was that's probably the coolest rodeo I've been to. I like the heck out of that rodeo and the history and the heritage behind it. Well, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I do. So, and that's the thing, I, and, and and I'm glad you mentioned that. That's the thing that's different out here that that – uh, from like the Midwest rodeos or the Texas rodeos or whatever out here when, you know, you'll, you'll, we'll be talking to different contractors or committee men and stuff like that out here on the West coast. Like some of our rodeos go three and four hours long. And and they're like, how in the hell do you have a rodeo that's three or four hours long? Well, it's out here. It's more of a celebration. It's like all day mm-hmm. deal, you know, yeah. and then, and everybody's just hanging around all day. And, and we used you know, to call might... those, we used to call those cotton carnivals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's exactly kind of I don't know. It's it's kind of like a celebration. Kind of I don't know if it has something to do with like talking about Salinas. You know the the Fiesta Mexican heritage, the you know Salinas Rodeo. You know and just how the the heritage is of of it's a celebration more than just a two hour rodeo in in a you know and and you know my wife she you know everybody knows Haley she uh when she when she moved out moved out here and we started and started you know going to the rodeos with with me and and you know she had been out here a lot before as well but before that but more getting involved in the production and stuff like that it it was a it was a kind of a culture shock even for her being someone that's been in the rodeo business for a lot of years through her dad and, and stuff. And, and then, she, you know, they were raised under the Jerome Robinson kind of deal was, it was mm-hmm. go into a building. It's a two hour show, you know, kind of almost like a concert. You just went in and yeah. you blew it out and it's not, but then when coming out here on the West coast is like the, the, the committees and then the celebration and the idea behind it is, is hell, if you can keep them there for four hours at the beer stand, you make more money. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so that's that's kind of a uh, just a different way of doing it. It's the same idea, just a different different way, you know. So, and the the rodeos out there, are freaking me me and a buddy were talking the other day. Some some of the first rodeos were were out there, and I mean they're huge. Like you say, keep them there for four hours. Like we're not talking about two or three hundred people. We're talking about five or six, seven thousand people. Oh yeah, yeah. Hell, have you guys been to Pendleton? I have not. That's not one I've been to. Have you? I been, never. If you go, yeah, go to Pendleton, and by the time you get done, you've been there for six hours. By the time you get there a little bit early, and you watch, and they have the Indian relay, they have the Indian relay races, and and I mean it in a, in a positive say way when I say you'll be there for six hours. I mean it's six hours of fun. By the time you go to the letter buck room, and you go to the, and you go to the uh, the. The rodeo starts, and they they have, like I said, the Indian relay races, the wild cow milking, and they buck, you know, 20 20 barebacks, 20 broncs, a bunch of bulls, and then they have, you know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff, and and it's awesome. It's just – so I guess what a person has to really be uh, cognitive of is that it's not always about just like – the rodeos aren't just stamped out of a cookie cutter. Everybody in every rodeo has a different, you know, different way of marketing their deal. And and that's what I think is pretty, really pretty cool about the West Coast rodeos in particular 
is that whether you're at Salinas with the bullfights and what's going on in the California Rodeo, and then you go to the Pendleton with the with the Native American, uh, you know, history involved in the in the Teepee Village and all that, all all even over to Joseph, Oregon, you know, where the you know Chief Joseph days they really celebrate the Nez Pierce tribe and all that's going up. It's just a lot, a, a lot of different things that play into how they market their rodeos and how they do their thing is and each each one's different a little bit but really kind of there's a lot a lot to to see and a lot to check out and it's it's really cool i i think so like i said it's not they're not just stamped out of a cookie cutter they're it's it, there's just each each one's a little bit different and and i like it heck yeah well thor you uh you got anything Man, uh, the question that I've wanted to know, and I think it's probably going to be different for every rodeo guy, but uh, what you said you buy most of your bulls, or all of them. What uh, you just bought some, you've seen some dummy trips on. What are you looking for? I mean, you know, you're not you're not competing with them. It doesn't sound like so. What what's the the few quality traits that you're really looking for uh, in a good one? I mean, well. Well, all, same thing. All you bull guys look at. <laughs> I want them to. I want them to turn back right there and get in the air and kick and spin. But then, um, um, for 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 me, that that I guess that's. I like speed. I I, I you know Mike Corey and I always always go round and round about this because you know like I said a little bit ago, Mike Corey and I are good buddies, and Mike's been a, a, a Northwest bull man for years, and. And he's into breakover bulls. He likes bulls that that break over and they'll knock your jaw off. Well, like, you've been no, hanging man. around. You've been hanging around Don Kish so long. You 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 got the same flavor he does with the speed. Well, right, Isn't that right? Exactly. So I'm a, I'm a California guy. I'm a, I'm into speed bulls. Yeah. But but um, and and maybe that's a little bit because of where I was raised. But I like I don't know. I just think it's it's when they have that intensity and speed and. All that. I no, I like him to kick. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna BS you here. I, I want him to kick and have that that hip break over their shoulder a little bit. But but uh, and that's you know, as we all know, that's a hard combination to find is a bull that can kick and spin with with very much speed. You know. But oh, yeah. but but then of course, like every rodeo guy, every old broke contractor, I, price means something too. You got to sure. see what the value is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, and then bread good, you know, and 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 as we were so you do you do look the, at you do look at the genetics because a lot you know there's a lot of guys that even in this day and age they don't care how they're bred they just want to see them bought you know. Well, well, so how come how come for me that I look at genetics? Number one is I feel like if genetics if they got a good genetics they they have a lot better chances of hanging in there if if you get them a little tired and burn them out a little bit seems like fresh, yeah if you if you freshen them back up they'll come back for you yeah uh, um the other side of that is is when i'm done with them I, they got some salvage value as far as if somebody you know uh wants a breeding bull i got sure. some you know some 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 genetic ability here that sure. i don't have to just take my my old bull to the sale barn, I can take him, you know, and sell him to somebody that's raising him and, and get some good out of the old boy, you know. So, and, and I haven't a, even crossed that bridge yet because sure. I feel like I, 
you know, but, but I just look for it that way, you know. So do you have a flavor then that when you were young or when you were riding bulls, you like, you know, this was your favorite bull and you kind of, maybe it'll make it a little better deal if you happen to buy a bull that was, you know, a similar genetic line. Do you have a, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, uh, it's not so much about when I was riding bulls as much as, you know, like I said, I like the speed bulls, uh, uh, cause I grew up around them, but, but then, um, for me now, I, I like uh, going back to any, anything that, that's, um, related to page blood. And that's just cause of value. You know, we mm-hmm. were talking about jive turkey uh, a while ago. Again, he comes up and Toby Floyd raised that bull, but he's out of a page bull, uh, I don't know what I'd have Smashing to imagine. I think. Yeah. Okay. So whatever that is, I don't know. But you bull guys know what he is. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's that's good, you know. And and that's I, I just know that if he's out of a page bull and a good cow, that when he's done, somebody's probably gonna want him, you know. So not only is he bred well, but if he has a good career, that you know that, and he's a good looking bull, you know. So that that's kind of where where I look at. That's that's interesting to see to hear that side of it as far as you're looking at the aftermath because well a lot of guys that are buy a breed bull that to actually breed to I mean they they want a bull that's been to the finals and bred good and it is going to help that resale value probably quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, performance and 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 you know what what's the three P's? Um, prodigy, performance, and pedigree. And so that that's. Um, you know that's that's the three the three deals in the whatever it is the beef business everybody looks at those um and i look at it kind of the same way in the in the bucket bull deal you know you gotta gotta have those ingredients uh, obviously we you can't have prodigy if you've never bred them but but, but yeah. so, you know that's the, the third leg of that if if uh if that you know somebody does cross that bridge well then and breeds to one of them bulls well that's great you know Thank you. Well, Tim, is there anything uh, we're kind of nearing the end here? Anything you want to add? Oh, no. Just I want to say thanks to you guys for having me on. I appreciate it, and I I want to want anything that grows the the Western way of life. And and uh, if my thoughts and our business with you know can add to that and add to the the rodeo business and make it better, that's what we're here for. You know, it's a, something we grew up around and something we've always loved my wife and I and our, all our kids we we wanted we want things to go good and go in a positive direction all the time for everybody and and certainly thankful to be a part of it thank you well we appreciate you talking and it's fun to learn uh learn the new side of things so um, we appreciate it well thank you you're welcome and thank you as well and uh we'll be in touch sounds good we'll talk all to right. you later bye all right um, bye